something special, isn't it? Except sometimes we take it for granted. What I'm talking about is sitting around the table at home with your family and maybe getting to do a meal together. And you think about just the opportunities that are there that sometimes we miss out just because we don't pay attention. But like when we are meeting together, you know, around a table, like we're together in that moment. While we're there, there's even an intimacy, like everything else in the world is going on, but those sitting around the table, like there is a connection that you have. Even if it's inviting friends over, they have invited you or you get together. And so there's an intimacy. Even if you're like at a restaurant, there's a lot of people around, but those at the table, you are connecting with them. When you sit around the table, like it's a chance to slow down. Like there's sometimes maybe your family is going in different directions and so maybe you don't sit down for a meal together or maybe you're like watching television while you're eating or whatever. But those moments that you get to sit down, man, it just allows you to slow down. Even if it's a holiday meal and you've been prepping the whole entire day, once food is on the plates, like you just catch your breath and you get to slow down and spend time with those around the table. I tell you, when you're sitting there, there's a time to laugh and be able to tell stories. You know, maybe someone does something. There's a time to talk about the good things and the bad things that are going on. At our house, there's a lot of times we'll say, hey, what is something good that happened today? What is something that was maybe frustrating? And so we get to talk about those things. Sometimes there's a chance just to be thankful. And maybe at Thanksgiving, we'll actually, hey, go around the table and talk about something you're thankful for. But in the moment, like you get to look at those sitting around and you're thankful for that, or maybe it's the food that you're eating. Even if it's a moment where things are a little bit tight and you just get to stop and go, I'm thankful for the things that I have. That happens around a table. Or maybe there are moments where you get to look forward. And you're talking about what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen next week. In our family, sometimes we're starting to talk about our oldest daughter getting closer to going off to college or we're talking about a vacation next year. And so there's an opportunity sometimes around the table to think about things going forward. And man, it's a pretty special time to be able to do that. Today in our sermon series about now what, we looked at this idea that we are saved. And so then we looked at one of the things that we are called to do is to worship God and not just sing praises, but also just a lifestyle of giving him worship. We talked about this idea um, when Rick was speaking last week about prayer and how it's a conversation with God and we make it more complicated than that sometimes. Or reading scripture, it's not sin management. I'm reading it so that I can have words of life into um, my existence and I get to feel that. And Today, we're talking about this idea of communion. And so maybe when you hear communion, you immediately think about what we do as part of our service each week. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper. Maybe you've heard of a church that'll call it the Eucharist. That is coming from a Greek word that means the idea of giving thanks. Okay, and so they're all kind of pointing towards this same thing. But I'll tell you, I spent some time this week just studying kind of the history of communion, Lord's Supper, all that kind of stuff. And man, there's a lot of different thoughts. There's a lot of different ways that we feel like we should implement it. And so as I was reading things, there are things about, well, is it only the, the emblems that we take? Or is it only that? Or is there a meal that should be involved? Did Jesus take a tradition that was already going on? And then did he make something out of that? Um, is a priest supposed to be the one to give it? Is there a prayer that's supposed to happen before and after those kind of things? There's talks about, should you have open communion? That's what we do at our church, where if you're a baptized believer, then you can take communion. There are other churches that will say, no, you need to be a member of our church or you need to be baptized in our church. And so there's different thoughts and philosophies about that. Some Sometimes there are different thoughts about the emblems themselves. 
Are these a representation of the body and blood of Jesus, or do they actually become the body and blood of Jesus? In fact, in my research, I came across a story where back in the third century, there was a 12-year-old boy, and he so thought highly of the bread, you know, that this represents Jesus' body and becomes Jesus' body, that he was not going to let it fall to the ground when some other people came out and began to hit him and pick on him. And so, like, to the point that he fell to the ground, and they ended up killing him, but he never let go of the bread. Like, that's how important he thought that it was. And so there's all these different things about communion that sometimes maybe we come to, or maybe we don't really think a whole lot about it. We just know what we do each Sunday. And so here's some things that I want to kind of give you a background on. Like when you're looking at Jewish meals, they were a big deal. Okay, like even if it was just the daily thing, the idea of us coming together, and when they would stop and pray, they wouldn't just thank God for the things that were in front of them. They would invite his presence in. Like they wanted God to be present as they met together. And so feasts and meals, they were a big deal. And one of those meals that was a big celebration was the Passover. Maybe you've heard of it, the Passover meal, the Passover feast. And that was a representation. They would remember that God had freed their people so many years ago from the Egyptian slavery. And so they would celebrate the freedom that God had given them. And so one specific Passover meal, Jesus is meeting with his followers. And he takes that moment to memorialize his death. He kind of gives them a glimpse about, about what is about to happen. And maybe they don't fully understand, but he's about ready to point to the event, the reason why he came to this earth. Okay, so that kind of sets up. I want to now look at four different scriptures about kind of communion, kind of just helping us know what we need to understand as we jump into this topic. And so if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 22. If you have your app open, um, then you can turn there. All of the texts are there as well. But Luke chapter 22 is where we're going to start. Uh, we'll be reading verses 14 through 20. And so Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about this Last Supper. And so in Luke chapter 22, verses 14 through 20, here's what Luke records for us. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And it says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Then you can continue reading, but then it's getting to the point of identifying Judas and all that kind of stuff. But here we have all of the people reclining at the table. And that's because they didn't sit at chairs in a table the way we did. They would recline, you know, at the table. And then he takes this bread and he takes this cup and he gives thanks for it. And he says, these represent the new covenant. He says, I will not partake in this again until the kingdom of God arrives or until I come again. Okay, so that's what we read here from this interaction. Now I want you to turn over to the book of Acts, okay? The book of Acts chapter 2. And what happens here is we have just had the, the sermon at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit has come upon, you know, the different apostles and they have preached and so many people have chosen to become part of the church. And then we talk about this question, now what? Well, what do we do? Well, that's what we see here. The early Christians, what are they going to choose to do? And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we read this. They devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And now I want you to jump down to verse 46, okay? Still in that chapter. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Okay, so in this text, at the beginning, it said they devoted themselves to these four things, to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to continue learning all about God and his ways and Jesus. They talked about this idea of fellowship, the idea that we're doing life together. We are meeting each other's needs. It talked about prayer, this communication with God, some that they would do by themselves, but also with other people. And then it said the breaking of bread. And so some people have said, well, is that just like a meal or is that what we do when we do our communion? I would say yes. And here's why I would say that. If you were to read Greek, you would actually see that it says the breaking of the bread. Okay? And so because of that, I think it does mean the emblems that we're talking about here. But a lot of times that was actually celebrated in homes. There were these things called agape feasts that believers would invite each other over. And so they would break the bread and take the cup at the same time. But then they would enjoy a meal together and they would encourage one another. And so when you ask me, what are they doing? I'm saying, yes, I think it is double that they are taking this meal at the same time as doing a full meal. And so they're doing this as they worship together in people's homes. All right, now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 14. And what you need to know is that oftentimes when Paul is writing one of his letters, there's some things that he's encouraging a church with, but then there's also some things that he's trying to correct, saying you need to understand this. And so one of the things that we see to the Corinthian church is he kind of gets on them about the way that they're now taking communion or, you know, the, the lack of importance of sometimes how they're doing it. And so you'll see what I'm talking about here. So in chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, here's what Paul writes. Therefore, my dear friends, free from, or flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And so even there, he's saying, hey, remember when we are participating in the bread and in the cup, like that is the bread and the blood or the, that is the body and the blood of Jesus. It is representing that. And when we take it, there's one loaf. We are coming together as one through the body of Christ. Like that is what we are doing. So remember that. And then he goes on in chapter 11, verses 20 through 29. And this is our last text that we're going to read. Chapter 11, verses 20 through 29. He says, so then when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Well, certainly not in this matter. He said, for I receive from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. 
everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So here's what I need you to hear. They were coming together, and yes, they were still doing this part of the meal, but they were also having the rest of the meal as well. And what they were doing is everyone would bring something, but they were beginning, if you brought a whole lot, some of them were eating so much so that there wasn't anything left for anyone else. And what Paul is saying is, man, you guys are missing it. The purpose of coming together to remember Jesus, but also to be one. He said, so you need to remember the purpose of coming. and You need to examine yourselves. Make sure your heart is in the right place, that it's not just all about you in this moment. And so here's the thing. As we're looking at all those scriptures, we see Christians sitting around the table, remembering Jesus through the emblems, but also through this meal. And so what does that mean for us today? Like, as we're looking at that, what does this mean for us as we take communion or we commune together? There's three things that I want to simply point out this morning. The first is this, that we take communion looking back and looking forward and looking inward. All right, as we take communion, we look back, look forward, and look inward. So let me start out with this idea of looking back. We look back at the cross of Christ. Like, we look back to the reason why we are meeting together. I came across a story where there was a husband and he was out in his backyard and his neighbor kind of popped over the fence and he said, hey, you know, what were you and your wife doing this past week? And he said, well, we were actually at a seminar and it was teaching us to make sure that, you know, help us with our memory, like to be able to remember things. It's like, man, that sounds great. Like, who was the speaker of that seminar? And the guy's like, uh, said, hey, hey, what's that flower that smells really good and has thorns? And the neighbor's like, you mean a rose? He said, yes, that's it. It's like, hey, Rose, what was the name of that seminar speaker that we were at this week? And I can laugh at that because sometimes we do a great job of remembering things, but other times we don't. And there are things in life that we set up to help us remember. In fact, God did that. He said, hey, I'm going to put this rainbow in the sky so that you'll remember my promise. There are times that he tells people, hey, I want you to stack up all these rocks so that people will look at that. And when your kids ask what happened, it is a chance for you to be able to tell them what God did. It is a chance to remember. And we do the same things. We take pictures on vacations. We buy souvenirs, things like that, to remember certain times and aspects. And so when we come to communion, it is a time to remember. Jesus set this up so that we will remember the cross, the sacrifice that he gave for us. I mean, in fact, Jesus, or God has been delivering since the beginning of time. You see that when sin happened, God came through and covered Adam and Eve. He gave instructions for Noah so that he might be saved. You see the Hebrew slaves, you know, uh, leaving Egypt. You see the Israelites again and again through the book of Judges and time and time again, God stepping in to deliver them. But then, then the ultimate act of del deliverance is Jesus coming to die on the cross for us. And so part of communion is we look back to that event which changed history, and it also changes our lives. But we also look forward. We look forward to Jesus' return. I don't know if it really stuck out to you, but he promised this idea that I will not take this meal again. I will not participate in this again until I return. Like He will return to judge the world. But at the exact same time, he will come back to save and can you just imagine what that's going to be like? The presence of God, the absence of turmoil, the absence of sickness and death, the absence of pain, the absence of evil, the absence of sin. Like what a great communion that will be. And so when we come and we take communion, 
it is an aspect of saying, God, we look forward to you coming again soon. And up until that time, I'm going to continue to trust you with my life. But then there's also this idea of looking inward. And so as I'm taking communion, there's an appropriate spot to celebrate what God has done and what he's going to do. There's an, a chance to look at myself and go, am I ready for that? There's a look, chance to look at myself and go, am I giving the right amount of reverence to him? There's a chance to look at myself and give him thanks for what he has done. There's a chance to look at myself and say, am I being obedient to what he's called me to do and how I am living? And all of that is a chance to look inward when I come to the table. And so when we take communion, we look back, we look forward, and we also look inward. But here's the second thing that I would tell you about communion, is that we take communion united together as one in Christ. Like I told you about those agape feasts, you know what, it didn't matter whether you were rich, poor, whether you're Jew, Gentile, you know, male, female, everyone was invited in, or at least they were supposed to be when they weren't doing it, uh, when they were doing it correctly. But they were all supposed to come in, and they were united as one under the blood of Christ. And I think about how last week, you know, it was Halloween, and so a lot of people had fun getting dressed up in different costumes and, you know, trying to be someone else. The great thing is, when you and I, we come to the table, we don't have to be anybody else. We don't even have to put on a mask, because Jesus came for every single one of us. In fact, there was a story I read about um, a pastor who would go and serve at the homeless shelter, and then afterwards he would do a service and, and give communion to anyone who would want that. And so there were these different people up in front of the stage, in front of the altar, and he was giving them communion. And he got to one man and he said, please skip me. And it kind of took the, the pastor back and he said, what? He said, skip me. I don't deserve this. To which the pastor looked at him and said, neither do I. And so then as he had the conversation, like, I just can't, he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to serve everyone else, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to serve you, and then I want you to serve me. And he said, is that legal? <laughs> He's like, no, it is. It's beautiful, and that's what we're going to do. And so he goes down the row and then comes back to the man, and he so says, this is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. Do this in remembrance that Jesus died for you. And so then he gave him the emblems. So the man said, body of Christ, blood of Christ, for you, hang in there. <laughs> and the priest said, you know what? I've never heard the words hang in there as part of communion, but he said, I've never had Holy Communion feel so holy in that moment. Just this idea of Jesus came for every single one of us. No one is better than anyone else. And so as we come together to this table, like we celebrate what God has done for all of us. And the emblems, they are important but so is the memory or the idea that we are coming together as one and not just in this church building, but then all over the city and all over the world. You know what, this, this last week I did listen to another sermon and the whole point of the sermon was about holding on to hope. And so it said, we need to hold on to hope. And then it talked about this idea of, you know what, we can do that individually, kind of like we can take communion. We can think about, you know, the past. We can think about the forward. We can think about ourselves individually. But boy, how much more beneficial that is when I do that with a group. The same thing is true with hope. Like I can hold on to it individually, but man, that is nothing compared to when I do that in a community of believers. Because in those moments when I am in the valley, and even in my mind, I know what's there, but I'm not feeling it. When I am connected to other people, like I get to hang on to their hope as well. They get to encourage me in that aspect. And so here's my encouragement, the third point that I would tell you, that as you commune, hold on to hope. 
as you commune, hold on to hope. This hope, the idea that there will be complete deliverance, complete freedom. We get to experience some of it right now, but someday all of it. Or this idea of hope of sin and pain being no more. Man, I look forward to that day. Or maybe you feel beat up pretty badly or you look around at the world and you're like, what is going on? And so you hold on to the hope of victory that we will be on the winning side. Or maybe it's simply hope of just being in the presence of Jesus. As we commune together, hold on to that hope. And again, I will tell you, the more that you connect with other people, you will get to lean upon their hope as well. So here's what I would tell you. Coming around a table, and this time I mean this table. Coming around a table is a pretty special thing, but sometimes we take it for granted. Maybe we don't think about the togetherness that can happen. Maybe we don't think about how intimate it is. Even though there's a lot of people here, like what an intimate setting with us and Jesus. Maybe don't even think about that it's a moment to slow down. Even if we've been part of a worship service and being involved in a lot of other things, we get to slow down in that moment. Sometimes when we're communing with other people, there's a chance to laugh. There's a chance to think and talk about the good things or the things that are difficult. There's a chance to be thankful. There's a chance to look forward to what he's going to do. And so what we're going to do is as we commune together today around the Lord's table, we're going to do it a little bit differently. So in just a moment, I'm going to encourage you to get into some groups around, okay? More than just your family. And some of your anxiety just went up, okay? So I am not gonna make you do it. But if you feel a nudging, that's the Holy Spirit, not me, okay? But I'm going to encourage you to get into groups, maybe three, four, five, something like that. We're gonna put up five different prompts up on the screen. And so my encouragement would be is to introduce yourself to anyone in your group and then also spend some time talking about those things. If you never get up there, that's okay. There were groups last night like we didn't even make it up there. We were talking about so many other things and it was great because that was all part of communing. But then what I want is at some point, we're gonna just have some music going. You can make your way to one of our communion stations. So we have quite a few up here on stage. We have quite a few kind of in a row there in the middle. And you can go as your family. You can go as your group. We have bread that you can break off and dip into the juice. We have our regular communion. If you don't wanna touch those things, our gluten-free is still in the back. But we want you to be able to do this as the body of Christ. And so we'll give you about seven, eight minutes just to be able to talk. And at some point, you can be the first one to get up and take communion. That's okay too. But then we're gonna finish out the service just lifting up the praise of the hope, the living hope that we have. And so my encouragement to you is let's be like those early Christians of we're gonna talk with one another and encourage each other as we look back and we look forward and we look inward. So go find a group and spend some time talking and then take communion whenever you're ready.